I want to read a scripture as tradition doth lead us to do many times before a message, but I want to pray one more time that God would open our hearts. Can I tell you what God is about to do in this place? Uh, he's about to begin to put thoughts and feelings in our heart and mind. And we're going to begin to see things in our spirit that are going to be hard to swallow. Uh, it's going to be things that maybe you have not seen before in your spirit. It's going to be things that uh, God is planting there to, number one, get you to see beyond where you are. Number two, to get you to expect, as was mentioned here earlier, that uh, greater, much greater things are about to unfold in your midst. Not because Daryl Weber has arrived in New Jersey. Not because any preacher or pastor or saint of God would ever say, I serve you in this area. But because it's a promise of God that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And brothers and sisters, we are seeing that outpouring in our midst. And if it hasn't hit you yet, amen. I hope and pray what is preached tonight from the voice of God through a man's vocal cords will somehow stir your spirit to expect that your family's coming in. And that your friends are coming in. And that if you're a guest here tonight and you have not made your decision to serve God and to live for God, I tell you, you're, you're in a church at the greatest time you could have ever stepped into a church. This is your time. Amen. So, Lord, we come to you tonight. We're so privileged to be a part of your plan and so thankful that you have opened up the corridors of your presence for us to be ushered in where the miraculous dwells and where the supernatural happens. And we are not interested in what we can do and what we can accomplish. But, oh, Lord, we have started this journey because you started the miraculous when you saved us. And we know it doesn't stop there, but you're about to do something in New Jersey. I feel it in my spirit. And I can't imagine what you planted in the hearts of the men and women that are a part of this state. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would exalt your word. Amen. And do a mighty work amongst us tonight. If somebody's in this room and they're struggling, God, in their faith and in their expectation that you would raise us to a new level, Lord, so we can believe and we can see it. So, Lord, in our faith, we can produce what you have promised would come to pass. In the name that is above every name, we pray it. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. One more time, would you clap your hands unto the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord tonight. I'm going to go back a ways. In 1951, Pastor G.A. Mangan walked into a business in Alexandria, Louisiana. A successful businessman by the name of Floyd Long was behind the desk and when he looked up, he saw Pastor Mangan, and there was a bright glow around his head. He called it a halo. 
He said, wherever you go to church, he said, I want to go. And he went home and he told his wife, Dorothy, what had taken place in his office that day. That a man visited him from the Pentecostal church in town. The pastor, G.A. Mangan. So they visited the United Pentecostal Church there in Alexandria, and it didn't take long. Dorothy was immediately uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in the name of Jesus. It took nearly a year for her husband, Floyd, a man, to receive the Holy Ghost. In fact, he did not even receive it in Alexandria. He was on a trip driving the pastor to another city when all of a sudden, just driving the pastor to another city to preach, he received the Holy Ghost in that other city. In fact, it was Beaumont, Texas. Less than ten years later, God saw fit to take this young man with a number of children and a a young wife, take him home. Five children. Dorothy is left to raise five children all by herself. Dorothy, not too much longer later, a year or two, met a man named Jack and fell in love with him and married him. They soon had another member of the family, a little baby boy, uh, that they named Daryl. And 55 years later, that young boy has now become a preacher and is preaching to you tonight. Because this is a supernatural mission. And that's what I want to preach to you about tonight. I want to preach to you about the supernatural mission. This Sunday, all of us children will be in a United Pentecostal church. And the passion has been passed down. My siblings are prayer warriors. They're Bible study teachers. They have taught hundreds of Bible studies. They have won dozens of souls to the Lord. My mother, who just passed away one year ago this past week at the age of 89, she helped Sister Mangan knock every door in the city of Alexandria multiple times. And as far back as I can remember, my mother always got me up earlier on Sunday than usual because she says, get ready, we've got to go pick up some people for Sunday school. I'm a product of a man who witnessed to my mother and changed the course of history for my entire family, even those who were not even born yet. This is a supernatural mission that we're a part of tonight. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then He makes a statement that doesn't even seem to be related. For in the very next verse, He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus coupled power with witnessing. In fact, He did it again in Acts chapter 1 when He said, Ye shall receive Power after that the Holy Ghost is to come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. Power and witness. And according to the message of Jesus, there is a supernatural power connected to loving souls and reaching people. When we first started the church in Lafayette, 
uh, 21 years ago this August, we began knocking doors. That was very popular back in that day, and I'm telling you it has not really uh, kept going as it did in the old days. We, we are reaching a different generation where people are hiding behind doors and uh, you don't know who your neighbor is from time to time. The average family moves up to 15 times per career lifetime because uh, jobs are, are constantly changing where in the old days you could uh, serve an entire career in one or two occupations. But it's not like that anymore. So we went to knocking doors. That's all we ever knew. And, and Pastor Anthony Mangan would send young adults and teenagers to help us canvas the city. And we would go out and introduce our new work to everyone who would receive a brochure and uh, we would give them a, a card and tell them we're going to pray for you. If you'll send this card back as a prayer request, we'll pray for you. And we'd try to get a Bible study with everyone we could. I took a map and we drew a checkerboard on the map of Lafayette. And uh, we began to take each section of that checkerboard and knock every door in that section. I, I, I stopped counting at over 10,000 doors and I said, why am I counting? I don't need to count doors anymore. This is too much time and too consuming for me. But on the one particular Saturday, we came to a house and we knocked that door. And a lady came to the door and she was evident she had been weeping and her eyes were swollen and red. And, and uh, the couple, uh, or we, we began to tell her about the, uh, uh, that we were uh, starting a new church in Lafayette and, and uh, just wanted to come and introduce ourselves and hand you a, a prayer card in case you want to send it back. It has a stamp already on it. Just if you have a prayer request, let us know. And she quickly wanted to know if we spoke in tongues. And uh, she said, uh, uh, I said, well, why do you ask? And she said, well, a few days ago, she said, I was leaving the church and I attended this church all of my life. In fact, all of my family attended this church. It's generational. And on the way home, she said, I just began to talk to God in my car. And I said, God, I said, I'm frustrated because I feel like there's more, but I'm not receiving more. And her church did not believe in Jesus' name baptism. And they did not believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues. And she said that so I pulled over in a park that was off of Johnston Street in Lafayette. And I began to pray. And here we are at her door. And she's telling us this story. And she's been weeping. And she says, before I knew it, she says, I began to speak in this other language that I did not know. And when I... She says, when I finally came to, that's how she put it, she says, it was dark outside, and I had spent the hours in my car in that park. And today, you knock on my door while I'm praying in the back room, God, send somebody to explain to me what happened to me in my car. Praise God. This is a supernatural 
mission that God has placed us in. You're not just a part of some religious fanfare. You're not part of something just because you've joined a church. Amen. When you stepped into this, amen, God has anointed you with power from on high to see great and mighty things happen. To see the supernatural begin to unfold before your very eyes. This is a supernatural mission. Ended up baptizing her and her family and they all received the Holy Ghost. I want you to look at Acts chapter 8. I want you to look at Acts chapter 8. We're going to begin with verse 26. I want you to see what God's about to do in your churches and in your lives. Acts chapter 8 verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasure, he came to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither and to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? Then Philip, verse 35, opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. One night after dark, I felt God prompting me after a meal that my wife prepared. I went to sit down in the living room. The kids are playing. And all of a sudden, I just feel prompted to go stand in my front yard. Now, there is no street light, and it's a dark neighborhood. And I walk out to the front. My kids thought that was cool. And so they just walk out to the front with me and stand in the front yard and they're playing around in the grass not wondering why we're out there, and I'm kind of wondering why I'm out there, but I'm just standing there in the front yard in the dark, and all of a sudden, a car turns down our street and stops right in front of our house. There are no lights, uh, street lights. I'm standing in my front yard looking at the street. My kids are running around my legs. And the car stops right there. And I don't know what comes to your mind many times in situations like this. But usually, most uh, usually, unfortunately, I am not the one that will usually think that this must be a move of God. I'm usually thinking somebody's going to drive by. Something's going down here and I'm fixing to take my last breath. That's what dummies doing out in the front yard in the middle of the night in the dark. And uh, it makes its way right to the front of our driveway and stops there. 
And all of a sudden the window starts going down. And and I'm looking, I'm trying to figure out, and then she gets in enough light from our driveway. We have a, 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 a garage light under our, we call it a carport, and it has a light under it. And I notice it's a lady. And I start easing out there, and I said, can I help you? And she says, well, I'm, I noticed she was very disturbed, very uh, uneasy. And she says, well, you, you, you live here? I, I said, well, yes. Uh, this is our house right here. And uh, uh, what, what's wrong? Are you okay? I noticed she was disturbed. And she says, well, I've, I, I've, I've been worried because in the neighborhood, as you may know, we've had a lot of breaks, break-ins. And there had been. There had been stories of, uh, of break-ins. And finally they found this guy that was breaking into all these homes. He was a police officer of all people. Uh, and they found that he had a long uh, history of this and finally caught him. And uh, he had been breaking into neighborhoods and stealing things and scaring people. And the, the single mothers or the, the people that were staying alone, they were very frightened. And she was a, a mother who her husband had, uh, who was offshore at two to three weeks at a time working. And so she was by herself. And she says, I'm just driving down your road to look between the houses because my home is on the other side. I'm seeing if there's access to the back of my house. I'm just so worried because my husband is gone sometime. And she was obviously fearful, so I told her, I said, let me tell you, I, know, I can see you're fearful. Let's pray. And right there, I, I stood next to her car, and I began to pray for her, and I could feel fear just leave that car. And I felt a peace enter into that front room. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to be in an altar for God to move. You don't have to be in the pastor's presence or his home for God to move. Amen. There's a supernatural power that God's planted in His people. And, and fear left, and the power of God descended upon that car, and peace entered into the situation. And as I prayed for her, I prayed for protection. I said, God, you're going to touch this family. You're going to keep your hands on them. And you let them here so I can pray with them. And thank you, Jesus. And she was so relieved. And she says, what church do you go to? I said, that one. I said, that's our church. Our sanctuary is in the living room. I just started this church and I'm the pastor, Pastor Weber. And she had wide eyes and she says, wow, you're kidding me. I said, no, that, that I'm the pastor of this church. We're not going to be here forever. We just started, but I'm pastoring that church. Here's, here's two of my congregation right here. That's a, that's a board member and this one I wouldn't let be on the board. Hallelujah. And uh, the real pastor's in there cleaning the dishes right now. Uh, and she goes, you're kidding me. I said, no. I said, what's wrong? She says, I'm looking for a church right now. She says, I'm Nazarene. And she says, the last time I went to church a few weeks ago, our pastor had left. And he did not tell us he was leaving. He left and did not let anybody know. Nobody can contact him. We don't know where he is. And so my family needs a pastor. And so we're looking for another church. And so I said, well, I've, I've got one right here. You're welcome to come to our church. It's probably the closest one to your house. Come on. And so we ended up baptizing her whole family. And they came in to the kingdom of God. Because this is a supernatural mission. 
Amen. If you just listen to the voice of God, He'll prompt you and move you. Amen. And say, that's the one I want you to talk to. And that's where I want you to be. Just like Philip. Amen. He said, go. And Philip stood there and says, I wonder why I'm here. And all of a sudden, the chariot is moving down the gravel road. And he says, that's where I want you to talk to. Brothers and sisters, God's about to use not just your pastor, not just the deacons, not just the leaders. God's about to use every mama, every daddy, every young person to bring about the greatest outpouring of His Spirit that we have ever witnessed, that we will ever have known and seen in all the history of God's church. Praise God. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody say, I receive it. I believe it. Hallelujah. This is a supernatural mission. Supernatural mission. Come to find out. I met her pastor. He called me. He said, I heard you're pastoring some of the saints that used to attend our church. I didn't know what I was about to get into here. But he says, Pastor Weber, I'm so thankful that God led them to you. He said, my wife and I, being Nazarene, we weren't familiar with the apostolic doctrine or Pentecostal churches. He said, but a friend out of town, he says, Pastor, you need to come with me to this meeting we have called Because of the Times in Alexandria, Louisiana. He said, you've got to hear these preachers. You've got to hear some of this, the things they say and how God moves in that congregation. So this Nazarene preacher from Lafayette said, sure, my wife and I will come. So they went to Because of the Times. The Holy Ghost, as it usually did and always did, fell. Every time the preaching of the Word, sometimes he didn't even get to start the service. They just walk in and the Holy Ghost is falling in that place. And this Nazarene pastor and his wife received the beautiful gift of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in that heavenly language. Let me tell you, God doesn't care if you're Nazarene, Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Catholic, Methodist. It doesn't matter to God. If you're hungry, if you're sincere, if you'll follow His Word, I'm telling you, God has something for you. God will open up the portals of heaven to give you what you need. If you just cry out to Him, there's no holding back with God. It doesn't matter what label you have, what Bible you brought into this room tonight. If you have a hunger, for God, there's something powerful, there's something supernatural that God wants to pour into your life. Somebody shout yes! Hallelujah! Tell me there ain't a God. Tell me He's not an all wise God. Tell me He isn't on a mission and He doesn't have everything under control and He doesn't do just what He wants to do. Praise God. He has everything working just how He wants it. Your daily visitation to the gas station, to the grocery store, to the doctor's office. We blame the devil a lot over why we're at certain places. They had that flat tire. It's a devil, I'm telling you. He's trying to stop me. When all of a sudden, if you'll think about it, if you're a child of God, ain't no devil can do to you Anything that won't bring the blessings of God into your life. 
Could it be that God will slip a little nail in the road and you run over it? You have to go to the fix that tire at the tire shop. And all along, God's been dealing with the worker inside the establishment. And He needs a voice, a mouthpiece to walk in there and say, I just heard I was supposed to be here at this certain time. Now why am I here? That's the one I want you to talk to. God is ready to impact our world. He's ready to do it through every man, through every woman, through every preacher, through every congregation. Brothers and sisters, God is ready to impact your cities with supernatural evangelism. Praise God. Amen. Notice the progression of Philip's evangelism. Notice this. God tells him to get up and go out. He gets up. He walks and walks and walks and walks into the desert. Evangelism is work. Impacting our communities is work. But notice when Philip went out, God had arranged for an Ethiopian to just be passing by, reading the Word of God. Something he did not understand. And it led to the Ethiopian's conversion through a short Bible study from Philip. But the next two verses is where I believe God wants to take the church. Acts chapter 8 and verse 39. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. The NIV says the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Then the eunuch saw him no more. Can you imagine that? The eunuch came out of the water. Yes, thank you for washing my sins away. Where'd he go? History bears the fact that somehow the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of Ethiopia, gets a hunger. It does not give us all the details, but somehow she gets a hunger for God. Where does she learn about Jesus Christ? Where does she hear the baptism power of Jesus' name. She does it because she's in the Old Testament. But when she got to Solomon, the worship was so powerful that she says, Oh, the half has not been told. How can you have such worship, you Jews? How do you know God on a personal level like that? And then all of a sudden, we see many centuries later, here's an Ethiopian eunuch reading a Bible, an Old Testament Bible. Where did he get an Old Testament? From Ethiopia. i tell you where. Somewhere there was a church. Pastor Solomon had a worship service. And Queen Sheba came to the worship service and was so impacted by Jehovah that she went home and started teaching all of her leaders. 
demanding that all of her eunuchs, demanding that all of those in charge over all her kingdom know the Old Testament Word of God. You wonder why today the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost is happening in, in the African nations. You know why? It's not happening in the Philippines. They're having a great move. It's not happening in Brazil. They're having an impactful time. It's not just happening in the U.S. And we're seeing waves of the outpouring. Let me tell you, the greatest outpouring right now is coming to Africa. Africa. They say that uh, over half of those in Africa have experienced speaking in other tongues uh, as the Spirit gives the utterance. Brothers and sisters, God has a master plan. He's moving people into position. Your worship is so important. Your witness is so important. Where you go tomorrow is not led by the adversary. It's not controlled by problems and turmoil and trials. Let me tell you who's in control. It's the one who guides your steps and orders your steps. Amen. He's placing you in position. Amen. Where God is going to pour out His Spirit in magnificent ways, in marvelous super natural ways when you began to distribute faith and distribute truth. This is a supernatural mission. When we get up and go out, not much supernatural about that. Lord, if that is you, listen, I need to rest this morning. Philip, Go stand by the road in the desert. I know that ain't God. He wouldn't tell me to do something that makes me suffer. He wouldn't ask me to do something to make me uncomfortable. That can't be God. That has to be the adversary. I rebuke you. Let me tell you how you know if it's the devil or it's God. The devil will never ask you to witness anybody. The devil never asks you to do a, something good for your neighbor, to lift up, to praise, to worship, to call on the name, to read the Word, to obey the Word, to step out and share the Word. He'll never. So anytime that happens, you go, oh, there's God. God's speaking to me. God's speaking to me. We are at a period in time where God says, you know what, I can't give you 15 more years of maturity. I don't have that much time. I've got to get you to step out now, so I'm going to have to grow some of you up real fast. And the Bible says in the last days, there are going to be the knowledgeable and the wisdom. And there's going to be the rookie right next to them. And they're going through the fields. He's not defining who the laborers are by their differences. They're all laborers for the laborers, not the preachers and the leaders and then just the, those that are just coming in and those that are about ten years in their, their degrees of Christianity. No. He said the laborers are few. They're all laborers. They're all in the same field after the same crop. But the supernatural... Let me tell you, God's looking... For us to be sensitive. The adversary wants us to get rocked to sleep with our day-to-day routine. Get up. Go to work. Eat lunch. My little sandwich in a sack. Been eating the same sandwich for 50. 
15 years. I hate these sandwiches. But you don't change a thing. You're so frightened to change the routine. And you go to church and it's just routine. We gotta go to church because we just gotta go. And, and we gotta get up and we gotta go to bed and we gotta get up and we gotta eat and we gotta go to school and we gotta go to work and we gotta do this. Let me tell you, I wish God in your name right now, you would somehow shake us out of our routine. So we can see outside of ourselves to begin to believe that what you want to do, you're able to do with us. Hallelujah. You can walk in the supernatural. I'm not trying to be spooky. I'm just trying to tell you what he promised you. You can walk in the supernatural. I was just in what we call street clothes. Not my pastor uniform. I was just in street clothes. You couldn't have picked me out of a crowd. Does me anybody any different? I was in blue jeans. I just got, I think, I just got through mowing the grass and I could not wait to get to the restaurant so I didn't change. I was your old grungy clothes. Probably bless their hearts. I know I didn't smell well. And I went to the steakhouse. I was just so hungry and thirsty. I drank about four glasses of sweet tea. Uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. You, you, you got that unsweet stuff. You got to put sugar in it. No. No, I'm talking about real sweet tea. Back there, that's how it just, when they brew it, it's sweet. Hallelujah. And I'm sitting there and I'm tired. I'm enjoying my sweet tea. I'm, I'm a wreck. And I look up and notice a guy staring at me. And he's a big old boy. Big country boy. And uh, I don't know if he's mistaken me for a, a foe. <laughs> like I said, the first things that entered my mind in the old days wasn't just God's moving. And I'm wondering. And so, you know, you know how you do. You don't look real quick. And you look away and drink some tea. And you look back over there just to see. Ah, uh, you know what I'm talking about. You don't forget about it. You look back over there. And he's looking at me again. And I, the whole meal, I couldn't even enjoy my steak. I couldn't even enjoy the sweet tea. Every time I look up, he's looking right at me. And to make it worse, he gets up, straightens his britches. Big old guy. He starts walking right at me, and I see him. And I'm going, I don't want to look at him now. <laughs> and he gets right up to my table. I can see his legs right there. And I go, oh, oh, how how you, how you doing, sir? And he goes, hey, you're a preacher, aren't you? I went, yes, I am. For the first time in a long time, I felt good about being a preacher. Because <laughs> that's my shield. I stand behind my calling. Because I know if I keep doing what God's called me to do, I'm okay. Amen. Nothing can touch me. Amen. Nothing can harm me. I can drink any deadly thing. I can handle any deadly thing. Anything can be thrown my way. If you keep in your calling, you're going to make it. It's when you step out. 
when you step out from under what God's called you to do and what He's called you to be. That's when you ought to worry. That's when you ought to be in trouble. You a preacher? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. He says, I thought so. He says, do you pastor? I said, yes, I do. He says, I'm a backslider. He says, I need God in my life. And he began right there at the steakhouse in the middle of the aisle, looking at me in big old tears welling up in his eyes. And he's looking down at me and he says, I'm far away from God, preacher. But there was a day I was in an apostolic church. And he said, God was so good to be moved in my life. I could feel His presence in my life. It was so good. But God knows I still want that and I need Him in my life. Brothers and sisters, this is a supernatural mission. Amen. Get your head out of the sand. Be looking for what God has waiting for you. It's not by happenstance that you enter a building, that you enter an establishment, that you run into somebody, that you have a flat tire. There are no coincidences in the kingdom of Almighty God. There are nothing but promises that unfold every day you live. God taught me a lesson. He taught me to be aware. I walk through Walmart like this now. I know they think I'm crazy. I'm looking. Is it you? Oh, I'm sorry to bother you. Is it you? Excuse me, ma'am. I was just looking for the Charmin. Just looking for that opportunity. And I began to preach this to our church. And our church started walking around. I imagine we're known as the creepy Pentecostals of Lafayette. But let me tell you, souls are coming into the kingdom of God. People are being found who God's been dealing with and been talking to. And they're coming out of things that they've been disgruntled in. And they've been dry and dead. And God's been filling them with the Holy Ghost and baptizing them in His name. Making preachers out of them and missionaries out of them. Bible study teachers and Holy Ghost filled tongue talkers. Oh, I believe God's telling us it's time to go to the next level. If not you, then who? Who? Who is He going to take to the next level in these end times if it's not you? It might as well just be you. Because He has called you, grafted you in to the most powerful process and mission Known to the history of mankind. Praise God. God's calling His church to believe what He's about to do. Praise God. I wish I could get Yvonne here. I'd stand her right here. She'd be so embarrassed. She's very shy. Precious lady. She'll be standing in the foyer at the TPOL on her duty. 
handing out bulletins with a smile. She came to us with her three little old boys. They were something else. Uh, But there was nothing she liked more than the preaching of the Word. And she came in and sat down, and those three little boys, she loved the preaching so much because I could put her three boys to sleep like nothing else. And as I was preaching each Sunday, they'd fall asleep right back there. And she loved the preaching of the Word. God will find a way to put something in your life to make you hunger for more. Oh, yes, He will. Oh, yes, He will. She started coming in with those little old boys, and she's very shy, but she's determined. She said, Pastor, now I didn't understand this, but I understand now. She said, Pastor, i got a lot of family, and they, none of them are serving God. She said, these are some, Pastor, just take my word for it, these are some bad people. And uh, I know them now, and I can tell you, yes, they're some bad people. I'm talking about, you, you know bad up here. Y'all next to New York. You know bad. Uh, Yvonne decided, Pastor, I'm going to start a Bible study. Now, I have a good bit of faith. And I can just about look at somebody and tell if they're going to accomplish something or not. And I was thinking in my mind, Yvonne, you're so shy and quiet, you will never teach a Bible study. So she says, I'm going to teach a Bible study. In fact, she started Bible studies every Monday night. And she says, I want you, Pastor, to know that I'm going to invite all my friends, all my family, and I'm having a Bible study. And whoever wants to come, I'm going to cook for them. And then I'll have the Bible study. But if you know Yvonne, oh my goodness, she can cook. Shrimp etouffee. Crawfish bisque. Oh, must I go on. And buddy, her gift of cooking filled her house on Monday nights. Her family would say, look, we could endure a Bible study. If we can get into that right there, some of that wonderful food. And so they came, and friends came, and the family began to bring friends. The house was full on Monday nights. I never forget, she rang my phone, middle of the night. It's after Monday night. She says, Pastor, I'm so sorry to wake you. She says, but I've got 16 people that want to be baptized in Jesus' name. (laughs) I said, I'll meet you at the church. Got to the church, baptized about 16 people in the name of Jesus because sweet, shy, quiet Yvonne fed a group of people and opened up the Word of God and says, this is what thus saith the Word. And they lined up to be baptized in His name. I don't have time to go through all the details and all the time, but since that day, I've baptized nearly 40 of her friends and family, and nearly all of them have been filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And many of them are leaders in our church. Many of them are workers in the kingdom of God and soul winners. In fact, they all sit together in one whole section. Now, we have a multi-ethnic, multicultural church, 46% uh, white, 45% black, 6% uh, Hispanic, 1% Asian. So we got a pretty diverse crowd out there. 
But when they all sit together, and I teach our church, this is what we are. Don't ever go from this place and saying anything but that we're all one. And uh, here's all of Vivon's family and friends sitting together. They're all black. And so occasionally, and they're from a little city outside of Lafayette called Rain. And so occasionally I have to say, now, ladies and gentlemen, as you see, this is a very multi-ethnic, multicultural church. This group over here, it's not because they don't love everybody. They're all family. <laughs> Praise God. This is a supernatural mission. You never know what one little sweet lady that you went to the Lord is going to do for the kingdom. You never know who's going to fill the pews in this church. What if all of Yvonne's church folks came here? Let me tell you, they'd fill this room. One lady! Our bass player started witnessing to a young man. And I mean, he just decided, I'm going to pick the worst one. And he started witnessing to a young man on a job. This young man was a druggie, a player. I'm trying to think of everything kindly I could say about him. He was, in fact, he was uh, just about to cut a professional rap CD. And uh, he was in the fast lane. But God had different plans for Byron. He came to the church just to get this young man off of his back that kept witnessing to him. And he came and he didn't expect what God was going to do in his life. He sat all the way in the back. And in this church, if you don't get here real early, you're going to sit in the back anyway. But, but he sat all the way in the back just ready for church. But man, when that keyboard started and the singing glorified God, the Holy Ghost swept through there. And Byron tried to hold it in. He could not wait for me to say, come to the front. He comes bailing down to the front with big old tears flowing down his face. He lifts his hands, this drug addict, this player, this rapper. He, 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 has, he has degraded his whole life against God and for himself and sin. And here he is saying, God, I need you. Forgive me, God, of all my sins. Forgive me. And I mean it. He let it all out. The tears wouldn't stop. And all of a sudden, he began to speak in another language. He was just making fun of that a few weeks back. He probably was calling it a lot of things. And all of a sudden, he's a part of it. God fills Byron with the Holy Ghost. And in 2010, at the Rhythm and Gospel Awards in Nashville, he was the artist of the year with the album of the year. Go figure that. Tell me God doesn't have a supernatural mission. Now, we have pews that are uh, areas that are probably as wide as, just nearly as wide as the church. And he filled about three of them with brand new people. And 
All of them received the Holy Ghost. I can't honestly put my finger on any one of them that did not receive the Holy Ghost because he taught them all Bible studies. They understood and they were hungry. They all received the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, got baptized in Jesus' name. And most of them have become leaders in our church. If that's not enough, God called Byron to preach. (laughs) And our district board awards him with a local license. And if that's not enough, Byron started pastoring our daughter work. And now it's an autonomous work. And every Sunday they'll have about 50 people coming in to the church whom he pastors. This is a supernatural mission. If you ever give yourself to God, there is no telling. There is no telling what God will do in your life. I, I I close with this, and we'll we'll go. I know I know you got early mornings. I, I close with this. Listen, listen to this, please. This is this is something that's going to bring somebody faith to a new level. Several years ago, I, I was studying in my office, and the presence of God filled that room, and I had to get out of my desk and crawled on the floor. I had a little uh, one of the small uh, two-person couches, and I crawled over to that couch and just began to weep because I could feel the presence of God. I didn't need to study. I didn't need to do anything else. And I just began to say, God, I'm so thankful for you. And tears just began to flow down my face. You know when you get in the presence of God like that, it's so refreshing. And God began to just put some things on my heart. He was letting me know that uh, how, his, how His heart felt so broken for my city and he wanted me to feel that for my city and our people were going through so many issues at that time i'm telling you uh, there were so many trials that our church was experiencing and tax on the uh, their their marriages attacks on on their finances uh, families were having issues and we were sort of just in defense mode i was counseling all the time and we we're praying together we just we just needed a move of god in our lives and that lasted several years and God's moving on me and and God speaks to me in that couch and he says you need to do something here he says I'll tell you why you're facing so much trouble right now I tell you why you're doing so much counseling I'll tell you why so many are focused on all their needs is because you stopped reaching out to the lost like I called you to he said right now you need to stop everything and go back to what I called you to do and so I repented at that couch. And I, I said, God, we will do it right now. I crawled back to my desk, pulled myself back up, and I put on the calendar a week a revival, but we called it a, a harvest revival, an evangelism revival. We don't need any more preachers coming to tell us that uh, get right or get left and, or, or, or come on, buck up, come on, be kind to your neighbor. Uh, we don't need, we, we, if the rapture sounded, uh, took place, we, we've all probably been okay, but, but not okay with God. We needed an outreach revival. And so I challenged the church. I said, it's got to start with faith. And I walked to the podium and I said, I challenge you. We're going to have an upcoming outreach revival. And I put it on the calendar. I told them the dates. And I said, here's what's going to happen. I said, you're going to have to have faith to believe that we're going to see more people saved than we've ever experienced, ever, 
in the history of this church. And uh, they were just looking at me and wondering, what is pastor talking about? I said, here's what I want you to do. I challenge you, each family in this church, to bring a brand new towel. I don't care what color it is. I don't care. Just so it's new, I want you to bring it over the next several weeks and just put your towel in front of the uh, church right at the altar. And I, I was amazed over the next several weeks. About a hundred towels began to pile up. And there were piles like this. And they put them in front of the pulpit. They put them all the way across. It was a wall of towels. And I had to ask the ushers, please come down and move the towels so we can get on and off the platform. And give us a little space here. Because they were believing that God, we're going to believe for many to be baptized. But not one person had been baptized yet. And so I went to uh, Walmart. You see, we have our, sig- our, our significant two baptismal robes, a little one and a big one. And that's what we had. And I said, God, if we're going to baptize a lot of people, we're going to need more than two robes. So I went to Walmart. And I went to the men's section, and they have these big old uh, these, these coveralls. It's a one-piece men's top and bottom sewed together. You know what I'm talking about? I grabbed every one they had and put it in a bag in my, my, my pile in the, in the buggy and it was this tall and I was pushing it down through Walmart. I got to the buggy and I looked around and the lady was looking around at me too. She goes, wow, you're going to wear a whole lot of overalls, aren't you? I said, oh no ma'am. I said, this is for all the people we're going to baptize. All the men are going to need these to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so, by the way, we have won about, uh, I guess, maybe 15 people from Walmart so far. But anyway, that's another long story. But uh, we went to the, to the, uh, back to the church and I said, Ladies, uh, I need a few of you to bring a few uh, thick dresses that you don't wear any longer that you want to make, uh, donate to for the ladies to be baptized in. I walked into church that next week. It amazed me. In the foyer, boxes of dresses everywhere. And I was going, what have I done? Boxes of dresses everywhere, under the tables, on top of the tables, on the, on the welcome center, next to the door, down the hallway. And these people were saying, I have faith. I have faith that God's going to do something that we've never seen before. God's not going to do anything for somebody who's not expecting anything. And God will do a little for those that expect a little. But if you expect a lot, if you expect great things from God, you can't challenge God enough that He won't show up and do what He's promised. We were showing God that we believe that He was capable of anything. And from Wednesday to Saturday, we had eight hours of outreach per day. People worked, so when they got off work, they came. Some worked in the day, some worked at night, so we said, please come when you're not working. We had some that uh, were on shift work, so they were off for three, four, five days. So for eight hours a day from Wednesday to Saturday... We had four hours of outreach in the morning, ate lunch, then four hours of outreach in the evening. In fact, 
I kept coming back in the evening and the people weren't coming in. They'd stay out all night long. In fact, some did not sleep at all. They went out in the streets and the highways and byways handing out invitations to that one service on a Sunday at 2 o'clock where we were going to have a great big service for all of the guests. And just to think that we were doing it blew my mind. But by the time Saturday night came, from Wednesday to Saturday, we had already baptized and hadn't even had service yet. Nineteen men and women in the name of Jesus Christ. God was showing us. He was saying, if you'll trust me, if you'll step out and have faith, there's nothing I cannot do. I can pour out my Spirit in the worst of places. I can pour out the Spirit, amen, in the worst communities, in the worst neighborhoods, in the most, in the best neighborhoods. It doesn't matter. You have faith and I'll do it. During that that week, a lady, they, they, they ordered sandwiches in the office. And uh, uh, they didn't want to leave the phones because we put out a notice. We'll pick up anybody all, anywhere in the city for the Sunday service that we're going to have. And calls were coming in by the dozens. And so we had people manning the phones all day long. So they couldn't leave. So they ordered some sandwiches from a little deli. And the, the lady came to deliver the sandwiches. And she went through our foyer and around the uh, corridor and into the office. And she says, do y'all people believe in prayer? And uh, our lady says, well, of course we do. She says, they said, why do you ask? She says, well, I was going through your foyer and I noticed there was some information about pray, prayer and how to pray and who to pray to. And, and she says, I really need prayer right now. And so they, the ladies said, uh, well, let's pray with you right now. So they began to pray with her, and she began to repent of her sins. She forgot about her problems. She began to feel the presence of God and began to repent of her sins. And God, amen, moved in there, and she felt the burden lift. God forgave her of all of her sins. And she says, is there something else? They said, yes, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. They took her up, and, and you may not believe this, and you obey your past. Pastor, but but our ladies went upstairs to baptize a lady because pastor wasn't there and nobody was available. I, I, I don't know what you believe or teach, but you do what you believe and teach and what your pastor says. But I've told our people that there's no other way. Don't hold back. They took her upstairs and put her down in the name of Jesus. A group of ladies, she came up out of the water and says, is there something else? They said, yes! You can have the gift of the Holy Ghost now if you'll just praise Him. She was shivering all over. She was shaking under the presence of God. And right there, she lifted her hands. God filled her. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when God fills somebody with the Holy Ghost, baptizes them with His Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues. I'm arriving about that time. I get to church and I notice under our drive-thru there's a car running. It's a delivery car with the door open and the engine going. And so I walked in and there's nobody around. 
And so I've been looking around and I find them upstairs. She's still speaking in tongues. Still God is moving on her. This is a supernatural mission. That Sunday arrives. And we usually have a 10 o'clock service. But you know what? Guests don't like 10 o'clock in the morning. They partied all Saturday night. Man, they they just getting over the headache. Two o'clock's the more there. There's there's time of service. So we changed our service to two o'clock in the afternoon. A book of Acts outpouring is going to cause you to get out of the box. It really will. It blew my mind when I walked into that sanctuary that afternoon, just before service time. I looked out. I was just so interested. Because we pray in the back and then we all come in together, our ministers, our prayer, our, our, our uh, prayer team, our musicians, our choir, all of that. We come in together. And so I, I'm peeking out before the service and to my amazement, 170 people who had never been to an apostolic church were sitting in our congregation. It propelled us to a new record attendance that week, but we sang And we worshipped. And when we gave the altar call, over half of that congregation moved to the front of that room. And we led them in repentance. And right there, what happened next is something I had not seen in all of my life in the United States of America, in any church. I had not seen this with my own eyes. But I watched as they repented, and I watched as 60 of those people, 60 said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. And we lined them up all the way across the church, out into the foyer, down the hallway, upstairs, across upstairs, where our church, we only had one baptistry changing room upstairs, where a lady approached me and says, Pastor, if we're going to see a lot of people baptized, one room's not enough. And I said, what are you saying? She says, can we build a Oh, the whole hallway up there with nothing but changing rooms like at Macy's. I said, go do it, but don't tell me how you're doing it. (laughs) So I go up there that week and look, and it looks like a department store. One changing room after another. Beautiful with curtains and a chair in there. And they were hadn't baptized one person to that point. And now they're lined up all across the church. The line started in the altar and stopped upstairs, and it was not going anywhere. I had several ministers up there baptizing people for the next hour. I watched them baptize two people at one time. You might not believe in that. You might think that it has to be one a person in the water at a time. Whatever you believe, you believe it with your pastor and what he teaches. But we had it was getting so slow, we didn't want to lose anybody. We didn't want nobody leaving, so we said, put them in two at a time. We put them under the water in Jesus' name. Over an hour, we baptized 60 men and women in the name of... I never witnessed that in my life. When they came back down, we asked them to stand back in the altar. Oh, the presence of God was so powerful. And we, in just a few moments... We explained to them how it was going to happen when the Holy Ghost 
came upon them what to expect, that they were going to speak in a heavenly language. And we watched as those folks across the front of our church lifted their hands, and again, tears began to flow, and they felt the beautiful presence of God. They began to worship God. And the Lord is my witness that 30 of those people right there within a few moments began to speak in tongues and receive the Holy Ghost for the very first time. 30 brand new... I'd never witnessed an outpouring on that scale in any church in the United States at that time. But it happened right there in Lafayette of all places. Please hear me. I want to prophesy to somebody tonight. God is ready to do something that you have never seen Him do before. God is ready to do something that you have never seen Him do before in your congregation, in your ministry, in your church. Some of you You're going to be shouting. You know why? Because your family is going to be all around you in church. You've been praying for a long time for them. They're going to to feel these aisles. They're going to feel these altars. You're going to see hardline family members. Amen. Coming down these aisles. Amen. Calling you and saying, God's moving on me. What do I do? Because they know who to call. They know who to call and ask about truth and prayer and power and supernatural things. God's about to do it. In the next 18 to 20 months, our church had 123 brand new members come in. It so fired up our church. It so fired them up, they began to be evangelists. We had one man started five nursing home ministries. They're still going today. Powerful. He's trying to start, I'm sorry, six nursing home ministries. We had a guy that says, I want to go to the prison, Pastor. I said, go. And now he preaches every month to 200 inmates, ladies and men. I have lady ministers and men that go to these. They're not preachers. They don't have licenses. They just have a burden to see something. And we baptized 111 last summer in one day. 111. God has a mission for us all. It's a supernatural mission. He wants to do something in your church. He wants to do something in your life. I wish somebody would stand and lift their hands right now and say, God, I receive it. I believe it. I believe you're about to do something in our midst. I believe you're going to see things we've never seen before. We're going to see New Jersey turned upside down with the power of the Holy Ghost. There are going to be many thousands of people coming into the kingdom of God. Use me. Use me, God. Use me, Jesus. Use me, God. God, if there's somebody in here who's lost the fire, rekindle that passion in them tonight. Rekindle that fire. Put a passion in their soul again this evening as we wait upon you in every way in our life. In every place we go and everything we do. Uh, come on, he's calling some Phillips here. He's raising some people to a new level.
If there's somebody in this room you want to take a step of faith and tell God, God, you can count on me. Use me. Whatever you want to do in my life, I want you to step out from where you are and get as close to the front as you can. Tell God right now, this is my faith you're seeing. I'm stepping out because I'm believing, God, you're about to do some things in my life. You're about to reach my friends and my family. You're about to baptize my church with a revival that we've never known before. Use me, God. Use me, God. I trust you. I love you. Use me, Lord. I'll go. I'll go where you want me to go. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for a move of your spirit. I'm hungry. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Why don't you pray in the Holy Ghost? Why don't you pray in the Holy Ghost tonight? God's going to lead those prayers over your communities. He's going to take those prayers over your families. He's going to take those prayers and use them to empower you, to use you in this supernatural mission. Oh, He's going to double your church. He's going to triple your church. Pastor Weber, how can you say that? I tell you, my God's bigger than that. My God is bigger than that. He wants to do things that we cannot even imagine or even think. Things we've never seen. Things we've never heard. Oh, Jesus. of his people. 